to another episode of the link platform podcast the link platform is dedicated to international students well-being and we hope to achieve this um through the through our blog through our counseling and therapy services and through our podcast my name is makafio chuchu i am your host and today on the show i have Pell Lamte. But before we start our conversation, don't forget to follow us on our social media pages. It's the link platform on Instagram and on Facebook. And please don't forget to visit our website, which is the link platform.com. So Pell, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you, Makafu. It's good to be on your show and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for accepting it um, and making time for us. All right. So just um, to let our listeners know a bit about you, could you just, you know, tell us where you are, what you are doing? Um, okay. So um, my name is Pell and then I'm a graduate teaching assistant at the University of Huddersfield. So what I do is I take care of um, international students, but I'm also a student. So I'm doing my PhD part time in psychology. Um, in terms of my background, I'm from Ghana. So I came here to do my um, MSc in health psychology. And before then, I, I was in the University of Ghana. And then after that, I worked as a TA for my national service. So did you always know that you wanted to be an international student? Yes. Um, fortunately, and what led you to make that decision? Yeah. Um, I was fortunately, yeah. Fortunately, I come from um, a very academic family. So everybody <laughs> is <laughs> wanting to go outside to maybe do a master's or study abroad, really. So my mom did her master's in the 1980s, and we've never had the last of it, <laughs> of our <laughs> experience in Canada. So you, I think from a very young age, we all knew, okay, fine, even if you didn't do your undergraduate outside, then definitely you were looking outside for, like, graduate studies or something. Yeah, so I'd say it just came naturally because then at that time, my um, all my brothers had done their masters, and just before I came to the UK, my third brother was in Canada finishing up his masters. So I just had to follow the so I see the family line. <laughs> so I just knew I had to go out. In terms of choosing the country, I think I chose UK mainly because their entry criteria was more. Um, I think flexible is not the word, but they have, they had a lot, a lot easier to enter or. You know, when it comes to US and the other North American, they have this whole GRE and other. <laughs> I was avoiding it basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So why? Oh yeah, you explained why you chose um, UK and how has it been so far? And um, so far, it's been really good for me. Really, really good for me. Better than I expected. Yeah, so I have a brother who came to the UK and he didn't really like the experience, although he liked his school. So I had mixed feelings and when I was coming here, I didn't know what to expect, especially because my other brothers were all <laughs> asking me to choose schools in Canada and come Canada. to Canada and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then overall, um, the experience has been way better than I expected and it's been very fine. Can you give us some specifics on what has made your experience um, worthwhile? Um, okay, um, I would say that in terms of um, education, it was quite tough to settle yeah, into yeah. the new system. But in terms of 
the culture and the way of life. I'm a very reserved person, so I really like the British way of life. So I've enjoyed it here. Yeah, I think that's that's. I think I just like the UK. <laughs> I see. But let's take it back to um, when you were a TA. Um, what were the processes that you went through to be able to secure um, the the school, the scholarship and all that? Okay. Um, so when I was a TA in University of Ghana. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what I did is I applied um, for the university but I applied for the university before I completed so when I was saying level 400 first semester I, um, I I just saw an advert so I decided to apply so I got my offer before I completed Ligon so when I finished I was hoping to go bef- um, before national service but unfortunately I was looking for a scholarship and I didn't get a scholarship so I did national service in the department so because I already had my um, offer letter from that time when I was doing national yeah, service, yeah. I was just looking for scholarships, which made it easier because most people were now looking for admission. So it just helps yeah, you. It puts you yeah, ahead yeah. of the race <laughs> in a way. So I got my scholarship exactly. in um, yeah, in April, then the next year, then I prepared to come. So before then, I tried applying for other schools as well. But as I said, most scholarships will ask for an offer letter. So I definitely went for the one that I had the offer letter. I didn't wait for the others. But can you let, take us through the process of actually applying what you did, um, if you don't mind sharing the scholarship that you are on, and, you know, so that other people too will pick, you know, bits and pieces from you? Okay. Okay. Um, so for the school, um, I saw the school from... Um, one of these study abroad um, consults in Ghana, so they're called um, Propelled. So what I did was I had to find references. So I think one thing that says sometimes it's very scary when you have to find references because you feel like you don't know any of your lecturers or your lecturers do not know you. But most of the time, when I started working as a T, I realized that it's actually quite impossible to remember all the students anyway. <laughs> so they are quite yeah. open to help you. They are very open. If you approach them, maybe with a few questions or looking at your transcript, they'll be happy to give you a reference. So that's what I also, um, I think I, I found some references. And then the, one of the biggest challenges is sitting down and writing the personal statement. So um, what I did with that is, especially because I wasn't so in a hurry because I had not completed my course yet, it, w- it was easier for me to write and then rewrite and get someone to read it and make all the changes. So what I, um, I would advise is as much as possible, put as, um, as much information into your personal statement as possible. And then um, I think it's the, it's the opportunity to to convince the admissions team that you deserve to be on the course. So you should make the most out of that opportunity. So put all the things you've done and also what inspires you or what made you decide to do that course. So after I wrote yeah, my yeah. personal statement, then I um, I did the application. So that's like filling the form and putting all your details in and all that. So after I, I got my offer, I tried applying for scholarships in the school. So that also comes with writing an essay or writing a more detailed personal statement. But then I saw um, a call for scholarships um, from Get Fund. So that's the Ghana Education Trust Fund. 
So I I decided to put in the application. That that's also where having the offer letter early really became <laughs> handy because in, in for that scholarship I had to use uh, um, my offer letter. I also had to use my national service ID card because then you have to have done national service. So it was good. I stayed for national service and then um, references. You need references as well. So my references that I used for the application became handy again. So I, I had a few copies. I just added it to the application. And then um, a letter to to so to tell them why you deserve the scholarship and what you do with that scholarship. So that was the process. It took quite a while to hear back and it was quite tight <laughs> to be sincere. Yeah, yeah. But by God's grace, um, I got it and then I prepared, then I came. Yeah, so how did you get a graduate teacher? Okay, okay, okay. So um for that one I had to apply. So what happened was um when I got here again, <laughs> I knew that I am um, after my masters, I wanted to go to do a PhD. So when I go here in September, by November, I started looking for PhDs because I knew that most admissions for September intakes um, start around April the next year. So I couldn't wait to finish the course in September before I start, if I was hoping to go that September. So from November, I started looking for PhDs. But by March, I realized that I wasn't getting any. And the few I applied to, like, always came back with the, I'm sorry, <laughs> Um, kind of emails, you know, those rejection emails. So at that point, I realized I had to then find a job to do because in the UK, you don't have any extra time to look for a job um, after your course. So after that extra few months, you have to go back home. But unfortunately, unfortunately for my course, psychology, without a doctorate, it's very difficult for you to practice or find a place yeah. where you can actually be a psychologist. So I knew that I have to progress if I really want to do psychology. So at that point, I started looking for jobs, thinking that I'll get a job, then it will buy me some time to then look for PhDs. So when I decided to find a job, I decided to find um, a job that um, I will be most qualified for. So having the teaching assistant experience from Ghana I started looking for research and teaching assistant positions because I felt that is what my CV will support the most. Like mm -hmm. that's where <laughs> I'll have a bit more to say at interviews than something else. So I applied for, this was the first teaching assistant job I saw, but I had tried applying for some jobs and I noticed that when um, the role is looking for somebody international or maybe somebody from minority ethnic groups, it's easier for you to get an interview. That's the trend I noticed. So I started looking for those kind of jobs. So I found this job and they're looking for a teaching assistant to support international students. So the whole transition into a new country and studying and living in the UK. So I just feel that this was something that I could do being an international student myself. And at least I'm more likely to get an interview for that job. <laughs> so I applied and I had to come for interview. It's quite far from where I was. Um, I was in the south in Bristol and the job was in the north in Huddersfield. So I came, I did the interview. And in the interview, most of the questions that I was asked, 
most of the answers I gave were from my experience as a teaching assistant in Ghana. So that I was really happy that what I thought would happen actually happens. Yeah, I was yeah. quite prepared <laughs> for it because then they are looking for somebody who has that experience. So it, that worked um, in my favor a lot. And then um, I got the job. Yeah, I think the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got the job. But what I pick from um, our conversation is, is I mean, it's a bit sad that the UK is currently really open to international students, yet it's very difficult to get a job afterwards and that you have to settle for looking for jobs that require have such a required, you know, um, thing of being in a, um, um, a specific group. I think it's a bit, well, that's what I think. It's just a bit, yeah, it's, it's yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, but I'm, but now the system has changed where they give you, um, I think two years to stay in the country yeah. After, after, yeah, so, and they used to do that before they changed it because they had issues about people, you know, immigration and people not wanting to go back and all that. So I kind of understand. So, I mean, we, you are, you are actually, um, I mean, you tick all the boxes of being an international student and working for international students and doing your master's and now you're doing your PhD. And it's been an interesting journey. And we are thankful that, you know, you, you've had it this way. I mean, um, yeah, we are happy to have you on the platform and you've shared so much with us. But now let's look at how it's been as a, a graduate teaching assistant and as a student combining both of them. How has the journey been? Um, I'll say that it's been very tough <laughs> because I've never worked and studied. I've been I've been in school almost my whole life, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's been very tough for me, and I really respect anybody who like is managing. I meet a lot of them, um, mothers who are still in school, working, having a family. I really, really respect them. Shout out to I, us. <laughs> yeah, I really, really respect them because it's been quite challenging. Um, combining the job and then school as well and also because um because i'm international myself i really understand the students i'm working with so i try as much as possible to be there and to offer the support and the guidance that they need doing my work very very well that means that my studies also suffers in a way because yeah. then I have to use my weekends. And it takes a while to build that culture of discipline to know that you are using your weekends to do your research and then you have to go to work and all that. I'm not sure I've built that discipline yet. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still trying <laughs> to balance it all. But um, I have very supportive supervisors. So that's one thing that's been helping. So there are Times I go for supervision meeting and we are just having a chat because I actually have not handed any work in. <laughs> so there's nothing to really look at. So I just maybe go and then they give me a few ideas or point me to maybe some articles to read or something to do. Yeah, but yeah, not yeah. to discourage anybody. You can do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> in it, so you can do it. Just that it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. But how did uh, so did the the position of uh, being a teaching assistant come with a PhD? Um, yes and no. Um, yes because as as a staff member in the school, I got the opportunity to do the PhD um, tuition free. But no, because it, it didn't come in my contract. So when 
I came for the interview, I had to um, answer, you know, you answered the question, um, why you're interested in the role. So I had to explain that actually I'm looking to do my research, but I haven't been successful. So I'm, I want to do this role to also build experience and also know what goes on in the higher education sector in the UK. Actually, the interviewers took that to heart. So as soon as I started work, they kept asking me, do you want to do your research? Do you want to do your research? And pushed me pushed me to put in an application and then get the staff fee waiver. One of the interviewers actually in, introduced me to my now PhD supervisor. Then from there, in January, I started the PhD. Yeah. God has really been good to me. Yes, to all, add yeah, that. that's true. Yeah. yeah, and we thank God for that. So when you first arrived in the UK, what were some of the cultural shocks that you had? When I arrived in the UK, my first cultural shock was the language. Because before I got here, I thought, oh, I understand English. I've been speaking English like my whole life, really. <laughs> At schools in English, we use English in Ghana. That should not be a problem. Like I could sit in class and understand nothing of what the lecturer is saying. I just don't know which language <laughs> she speaks. <laughs> yes, that was my major cultural shock because I just couldn't understand why I couldn't understand it if it's English. So I just had to try and learn um, and try and more like tune my ears to their accent. And the amazing thing is from my, what I noticed from my courses, every lecturer had their own accent. So when I was back in Ghana, I thought, oh, there's a British accent. Like, no, every single one of them has the way they, they I don't know, they talk. Like, <laughs> sorry, but that culture shock still shocks me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my major one. I, it took me a while, and I moved from the south to the north, and I had an, uh, I had it all a over again. <laughs> yes, I had it all over again. I don't like when you come to UK. It's like oh, the British accent, but then we forget that the same way in Ghana we have regions, and every you see that when you hear the Ashanti speaking English, you see the difference. When you hear the Northern speaking English, you see the difference. And I think it's the same in the UK. Yeah. I, I was working with a gentleman who was Scottish, and I, I could hear nothing. Like, <laughs> I could hear nothing. And then yeah. from Liverpool, and I could hear nothing in <laughs> English. So um, it's one thing that you have to really adjust to. That's true. Were there any other experiences? I think another um, cultural shock will be how um, how easily they use curse words. So I had a yeah, flatmate, yeah. and I just. <laughs> I, I actually almost asked him, could you just say something without using the F word, like for just a minute? <laughs> yeah, but I never I never said that because I do want to um, come across as rude. So I just, mm-hmm. I think I I tolerated it for, <laughs> how, for as long as we were flatmates. But I was quite surprised at how the ease with which like they use such words. And how freely they are. I think another cultural shock was how many people I saw smoking around me. Like, you know, back <laughs> home, <laughs> people smoke, but you hardly really see it. I was really, really shocked. I was almost always walking through smoke. <laughs> yeah, I think the first day I had to go to school, so I had to go and pick a bus, and I was, I was really shocked because everywhere, everywhere there was 
more there's so many people smoking so i was almost always working to smoke always trying to avoid it always i was really short sincerely as you really yeah okay so what are some of the um, stereotypical views that you think or people openly shared with you and you had to either like change or it shocked you to hear certain things um ab- about myself or where i come ab- from about like the country you are from because that's an international student people always ask you what country are you from you know did you hear any yeah. interesting things that people said um unfortunately for me most people did not know Ghana or where Ghana was from and the only person i met who knew Ghana was my um flatmate from Hong Kong and that was because of football so he remembered i think okay. the whole Suarez thing he he just narrated it to me <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, at that point, most people didn't know Ghana, so I was just so glad he could remember something. As <laughs> yeah, it's quite shocking, really. <laughs> it's really, really shocking. Yeah, most people didn't know Ghana, so they just decided to just say I was from Africa. Because in my class, I was the only international student, and we had one student, but she, she was from um, Spain, so she was EU. Yeah. So they just. I think I just got labeled the African student or classmates, really. One time, my um, Spanish friend asked me why Af- Africa is so poor. So what I did is I just Googled Ghana, Accra. And you know when you Google Accra, you see the city and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just Googled it, went to images and left it for her. said, you see, we have nice friends. <laughs> I really remember that day. <laughs> Yeah, and I think um basically, and I went. I I used to teach um ch- children. So for my placement for my course, I worked with the council. Yeah. I was doing mental health promotion in schools, so I used to go to school by school. And one of it's um the five ways to well being. I think one of them is um learn something new. Mm. So I decided to teach them um one of I think Cheche Kuleos. One of these are songs for exercise. Wow. Yeah, so I said I went again. They really loved that past week, so I just told them something from Ghana. So I always had this African map. Then before I start, I asked them, "Have they heard of Africa? What they know about Africa?" And they were like, "I'm um, from ten to eleven. I heard a lot of Africa is a very dark place, and there's a lot of sickness. People, um, children are dying in Africa. There are a lot of yes." And that there are lions and tigers, but you know they were children, and then I was there yeah. for you know mental health promotion. But before I went, I think I was already prepared. The only thing that shocked me was because they were so young, I didn't expect them to know Africa first of all or know okay. that much of the stereotypical views about Africa. So I was quite surprised that as young as they are, that's the picture or image of Africa that they have. So that I used that opportunity after my first lesson in the first school that I actually got prepared for the answers to come in subsequent schools. Things like there are lions and tigers. I said, okay, yes, but not in the whole of Africa. And I told them, I haven't even seen one. And they get so shocked. <laughs> How can you be from Africa and not have seen an elephant or something? You know, so it's just, it was interesting, really. Yeah, that lesson yeah. taught me a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very grateful that now we have people who are using um like social media platforms like YouTube to really show the beauty of Africa and show that um 
in the same way that in 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 um, in the UK they are very poor environments. That's the same way that in Ghana they are very poor environments. Even though ours is you know a, a bit extreme, but um, yeah, yeah, we, we are all not hopping from one tree <laughs> or living you know with elephants and lions and all the interesting things. I mean, somebody said, oh, not to offend you, Makafui, but like you know, ask me about donuts. Because we're having donuts. And I was like, oh, I really like those donuts. And so she thought I had never eaten donuts before. And she was like, <laughs> I mean, she was, and I just, I did the same thing you did. I Googled Ghana and I, and I sent her pictures. Like, I think I was overdoing it, like trying to like, you know, I think I was just, a bit. <laughs> but it happens all the time. Yeah. And we hope that people would, would um, People like you who are also promoting our country and, and that was a very good thing that you did with the kids, like really teaching them about Ghana. And that was like promoting our country. And and I didn't understand why the British didn't know Ghana because they colonized us. So I thought it would be in their history lesson, but they said no, they don't learn about that. So Yeah, um, they don't. Yeah, yeah. They do <laughs> but well, thank God for international students. We we get to show where we are from we get to show how intelligent we are and how you know ghana is a beautiful place to visit <laughs> yeah 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 okay so what are your final words so what would you um three things that you would tell somebody who is um preparing to be an international or just interested in mental health or your you know just exploring outside where they are what three things would you tell them I think the first thing I'll say is that you should be very open to new experiences and open to new cultures. Because one thing I noticed right now working with international students is that it's very easy for you to feel that somebody is not accepting your culture or somebody is not or somebody is not just accepting the fact that you're from a different cultural background and you see things differently. But most of the time we also do not accept that our host country or uh, other international maybe flatmates or classmates also has a different culture so what i learned is that the key thing is to very to be very open and to be accepting of other people's cultures and their even their way of life and way of thinking so as much as possible it's easy for you to come and say no i'm not taking tea because where i come from maybe i take something else but sometimes you should be open to try it. Okay, why do they take tea like <laughs> 10 times a day? <laughs> it's just good to be open to try things and to also accept some of the things because it, it gives you more experiences and then it makes your, um, your stay and your study and everything a bit more worthwhile. And maybe you should do your research very, very well because every country has a type of people or personalities that um, enjoy the place most. Every city, every school, the same way, even for courses. There are some schools that have some special courses that they do very well in or that they invest a lot into. So as much as possible, do your research from country all the way down to the town or city you end up living in because it opens a lot of doors or it could also affect the <laughs> number of opportunities you could have so try as much as possible to take some time to do your research so if you want to stay after your course do your research then you know what what you are doing when you get into the country if you want to um, do further studies also do your research mm -hmm. if you want to work do your research because there are some countries that are not um 
migrant workers friendly. There are some countries that are there are some countries that are also migrant worker friendly, but then for some special fields or courses or something. So do all that research as well. And there are also some countries that, for instance, for me, I'm a black person. So I'll try and check for racism and all these other things. <laughs> so like I have my peace of mind at least <laughs> to work something out. So just do everything here. Yeah. Research. I'm asking about the, the international. I mean, we are wrapping up, but just the end. Um, what are some of the things that you have identified working with internationals and helping them with mental support? What are some of the things that you've you've seen that internationals go through? I mean, you've mentioned about cultural acceptance. Are there any other things that you've noticed? Yeah, I think loneliness and isolation, and which goes um both ways. When I was doing my masters, I had the impression that my classmates who um especially um <laughs> those who were from the UK were not were friendly but from a distance. Yeah. They are quite closed off. But you can't say they are not friendly as well. Yeah. But I found out that also as home students, because I just cast my mind back to when I was in Lincoln, we had a few international students as well. And how many times did I go out of my way to say, hello, I'm Pearl, um, welcome, yeah. how is your yeah. stay? I never, ever, I always saw them coming. Yeah, They're true. also excited for classes and, you know, with all their African attire. <laughs> and just, the, oh, they are like three international students in my class. I never ever went of my out of my way to say hi or hello. So I think yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah. The same way you're a bit close off and you're not sure how to accept you. They also don't want to appear to be a bit patronizing or like you're international. So I want exactly. to say hi. They want their relationships to develop naturally. So maybe in a group work, maybe you're in a group together, you're doing group work, you become friends. So as much as possible, we should try and avoid being cut off from your peers no matter how unfriendly you feel they appear from the beginning also don't be too judgmental you know say oh as for wise people they are like this or as for this type of people they are like that don't be too judgmental just be open be open to new friendships be open to all of it the good the bad it's all part of the experience and make a conscious effort to make friends else you never have friends because you know you're coming into somebody's bubble make a very conscious effort to call somebody up or say oh i'm free this weekend i don't really know um maybe the city would you be available to show me around all these are steps you know because they may never say oh pearl you're new Take um, let me show you around. You you hardly find that. In fact, I doubt you will. <laughs> so just go out of your way, and, because for loneliness and isolation in this COVID time has been one of the biggest challenges. We are still dealing with it. Really, we are still dealing with it. Wow, wow! I've learned a lot talking to Pearl Lamte on the Link platform, and that's the beauty about Link platform. We are not just here to, you know, inform you, give you all the, just the interesting stories of being an international student. But we are also hoping to educate you so that you learn something new. And it's it's true, you know, it's true about reaching out and making that effort on your own. Thank you so much for um, coming and joining us and giving us all these amazing, you know, things that we can learn from and sharing with us. It's been wonderful talking to you. And I hope you also enjoyed the show. 
Yeah, I did. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so our listeners, thank you for being with us. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, we are grateful. My name is Makafri Otruchum, and this is the Link Platform Podcast. So till we bring you another interesting episode, it is goodbye.